notorious crime boss Whitey Bulger was murdered in prison in 2018. Last week, a grand jury indicted three men with charges relating to that death. Rachel S. Rollins, the federal prosecutor in Massachusetts, said, With the indictment announced today, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of West Virginia has started the process of holding the men alleged to have violently ended a life accountable. In the truest of ironies, Bolger's family has experienced the excruciating pain and trauma their relative inflicted on far too many, and the justice system is now coming to their aid. everybody and welcome to the true crime squad this is katie weaver i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in crime christy brower hello hello how's it going it's going really good i (laughs) saw something today i thought i didn't ever think i'd see uh we were in montana and we saw a bear that had been hit by a car we didn't see the bear get hit by the car but it was it must have happened not too long before, he was right off to the side of the road. A little black bear that Scott said was probably two years old, maybe. He wasn't very mm-hmm. big. He wasn't a baby. It wasn't a tiny cub, but he wasn't yeah. a very big guy. Um, yeah. How sad, sad is that? Though. I know. Yeah, I don't want bears getting hit. Dang it. No. Heartbreaking. So, boo, Montana. What the hell? Right? Hitting yeah. bears. Isn't that something? Yeah. Only in Montana. Not really. It happens in Idaho, too. But I've never seen it happen before. You know, seen one like that. Yeah, I've never seen one on the side of the road, either. I hear, I've heard of it, but yeah. Yeah, poor guy. But um, (laughs) we were in Bozeman today. Mm -hmm. And we decided to go on to Livingston to go back home through the north entrance of Yellowstone Park. And, you know, Yellowstone had those big floods not too long ago. And the north entrance had been closed. But for some reason, I thought it was open. And I did Google it. And I saw something that said it was open. So I'm like, yeah, no, we're good. It's open. So we drove more than an hour out of our way to Gardner to discover that it is not open. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a three-hour waylay. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Damn it. So that was bad, but uh, the drive was nice. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I'm glad the drive was nice, but yeah, that is a real bummer because... The, the company was great. I was there, so... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure you were a fucking delight, as always. As always. Oh, my God. I still can't believe... Yeah. I Scott wasn't thrilled. He wasn't thrilled, but it's... Yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine... <laughs> It's fine. Gardner's a cute little town to visit. So, you know, it's fine. But in case anyone's wondering, no, the north entrance is not open. Yes. Yes. And uh, if you're coming from that way back down into Idaho, uh, well, then you're screwed. Mm -hmm. Come a different way way. and watch for bears. Yeah. Anyway, we've got a lot going on. We, We do. We've got a big episode. Yeah, this is our Monday episode. 
And Christy, I know you are going to kick us off with some true crime updates dealing with serial killers. I really am. Have you ever heard of the serial killer who was dubbed Devil's Disciple? No. You know, me either. He's a British serial killer and he's been in prison for since since the mid 70s here's a picture of him and right now he is um he's due for a uh parole hearing in november he's been in prison for 47 years oh my god and it's possible that he could be released wow his name is Patrick Mackey or McKay. It's probably McKay. Around here, we would say Mackey, but mm-hmm. I bet the Brits say McKay. Um, he called himself the devil's disciple. Oh. Uh, he was um, convicted of three murders. Let's see. Um, but then he did that thing that all lots of serial killers do when they're in prison. He com- confessed to a bunch of others and uh, then recanted. Of course. Yeah. The problem is that in the 47 years that he has been in prison, the police just haven't really bothered to investigate all those other crimes that he said he did. Oh, well, gosh. So family members. How could they have time? Right. Family members of the known victims and of the suspected victims are way up in arms about this and mm-hmm. are very sure that he should not be released ever. It kind of seems like someone who murders people and calls himself the devil's disciple might be somebody that we just want to keep, you know, under lock and key. That's just a thought. Right. You know, the problem that we're talking about the uh, UK legal system. Mm-hmm. And he was only um, convicted of manslaughter on all three of those. Oh. And they don't jail people for life. No. Actually, 47 really... years is actually probably really long. It is. For and manslaughter that's why, charges. Yeah. That's why people are freaking out. Because based on their laws, he's pretty well served his time. Mm-hmm. But something happened last year that really has people up in arms there was a, another serial killer his name was Colin Pitchfork because <laughs> of course it was I oh, mean Pitchfork. <laughs> that was his real name that was his real name wow um and he he had been in prison for the rape and murder of two teenage girls oh and when he was let out they almost immediately had to pick him up and put him back in prison because he started approaching young women so, oh my you God. know, UK is like, listen, don't be letting these jackasses out of prison just because yeah. they've been in there for all this time does not mean that they are reformed. Right. So there's lots of worry sure. around the devil's disciple and releasing him. So it's coming up in November, his um, his parole hearing. But uh, the 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 courts are or the the um like government officials are are concerned too and so basically um they're saying the the mp said that the justice secretary who is dominic rob 
uh, would need to see the reasons for him to be released hmm. in order to sanction his release. So they are kind of slowing it down, but it is true that people are pretty concerned. Um, they're pretty concerned also because he he gave information on some of the crimes that he did and then didn't commit mm-hmm. that uh, could only have been known by the killer. Oh. But for some very lazy reason, I don't know. Those were not investigated. So oh. we'll see what happens with the devil's disciple. But uh, right now, people are super concerned <laughs> uh, that they do not want him out. So mm-hmm. we'll be keeping an eye on that to see if he gets released. Because it's it's a, you know, it's a catch-22 that happens a lot in the legal system if someone has served their time. Mm-hmm versus are they still a risk to society? And it is believed that he is. And so he may not get parole anyway, but you know, there is a point at which they might have to let him go unless they can charge him with some of these other murders. Uh-huh. And and maybe they should have gotten on that. I don't know, like 40, two uh, or three years ago. Yeah, or something, I mean, you know, even 40, 35, even really just, just right. fun. Gosh. Wow. Yeah. So a little scary. It does get scary when these, because, you know, there were a lot of serial killers in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And they're all either coming up for parole or dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the ones we're coming dying up for parole. in prison. We're seeing right. a lot of that recently, too. Yes, yeah. we are. But, uh, you know, it's a concern. These guys, you know, you put them away for that much time. People kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting to a point now where we're going to have to deal with what happens if some of them need to be released legally. Yikes. So there you have that. Well, thank you. (laughs) I am going to turn the mic back over to you for our main case. Thank you. Whitey Bulger. Otherwise known as James. Do you know why he was called Whitey Bulger? Because uh, his hair was white? Yeah. He had platinum blonde hair. That's right. Yeah. And you probably know, you know, that he was a notorious crime boss, an organized crime uh, guy, <laughs> criminal. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you, I want to give you a little bit about his background. Now, obviously, this is, uh, you know, Cliff's Notes. There's right. so much that's been written about him. There's so much that has been, uh, you know, there's there's so much murderabilia out there of his. It's oh, really? crazy. Yeah. Yuck. Oh, yeah. Whitey Bulger stuff is highly collectible. Yeah. What's wrong with you people? Anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't, murderabilia makes no sense to me. I I don't want anything that belonged to a serial killer at all, mm. ever. And he's never been classified as a serial killer, but he really could be. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. I mean, his was more organized crime, but still, I mean, he has a right. lot of murders. We'll get there. We'll get there. But I will say he was tried for 19 murders and convicted of 11. I mean, he... Was in prison for killing 11 people. But mm. some of them were hits for hire. And I, you know, it's. Right, right. It's all that crime stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1929. And by the time he was, he was actually born uh, 
in Massachusetts to Irish American parents. And he grew up in uh, South Boston. His dad was a longshoreman. When he was 10, he ran away with the circus briefly. As yep. you do. As you do. He was first arrested when he was 14 for stealing. And from there, he was uh, arrested later on for larceny, forgery, assault and battery, armed robbery. He did five years in juvie. Wow. On his release, he joined the Air Force and was in military jail for assault before being arrested for going AWOL, but somehow managed to get an honorable discharge in 1952. Wow. When he got back to Boston, he immediately dove into organized crime. Uh, He was in trouble for, well, lots of things. Bank robberies from Rhode Island clear to Indiana. In 1956, he was sentenced to 25 years in federal prison. 25 years. Wow. You know, if he had really served all of that time, we might not even know who this dude is. Right. But he did not. But here's a peek at him from way back then. His hair wasn't white then. It must have been white when he was little. You know how I some kids so, just always have white hair, you know, or yeah. have such white hair? Anyway, I did. I had. Yeah. White blonde curly hair when I was little. Yeah. So while he was in prison, he was in for nine years. He was in Alcatraz for a while because he was discovered making plans to escape from the prison he was in in Atlanta. Oh, wow. And he loved Alcatraz. In 2011, he told CNN, if I could choose my epitaph on my tombstone, it would be I'd rather be in Alcatraz. Wow. I mean, dude. Yeah. Shoot for the stars. Right. (laughs) As you do, I guess. Yeah. So when he got back uh, from that nine years in prison, he, uh, uh, as you do, apparently went directly right back to a life of crime. And he was working. He was an enforcer. For an enforcer, for crime boss Donald Killeen. Well, in '72, Killeen was gunned down, so he joined the Winter Hill Gang. He was killeened. Yep. <laughs> in '72, he joined the Winter Hill Gang, and uh, you know, being the good employee that he was, he really rose up the ranks quick. He was at that point uh, ordering hits and carrying out hits. He sanctioned the killings of several other really uh, or fairly famous uh, mobsters, Spike O'Toole, Polly McGonagall, Eddie Connors, Tommy Tommy King, and Buddy Leonard. By 79, he was very well known and became the boss of the Winter Hill Gang. So (sighs) over the next 16 years, he got to be basically at the top with his gang of the drug dealing, bookmaking, and loan sharking stuff going on in Boston. So a lot of this was drugs. It was also uh, horse racing. Oh, I didn't know about the horse racing. That's where the loan sharking, a lot of it was coming in. Oh, from the the gambling? Mm -hmm. Oh, gotcha. But here's the thing. From 1975 to 1990, 
He was also an informant for the FBI. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's a really long time to be an informant while committing crimes. The FBI was just kind of looking the other way at his bullshit because they were also getting help from him. So this went on for quite a while. Part of it is because his brother, William, was in this Massachusetts State, State Senate. For a long time and had a lot of friends in high ranking uh, places and he kind of helped get his brother hooked up with, uh, you know, the FBI and with the informant gig to try to keep him safe. And he was helpful. He was very helpful. He helped to bring down the, I'm going to say this wrong, Patriarchus, Patricius. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. A New England uh, crime family. Mm. But while he's doing that and is uh, informing to the FBI, he's taking out his enemies through the FBI so that his business can get stronger and stronger. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, there's got to be some serious benefit to him to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, besides staying out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, given up all of his competition. Yeah. But somehow in 1994, uh, it all came crashing down and the Drug Enforcement Agents Administration, the DEA, and the Massachusetts State Police and the Boston PD uh, launched a investigation into his gambling operations. And in 95, he and his associate Stephen Flemmy were indicated. Flemmy, as you would. Okay. Uh, but... He ran and he mm-hmm. fled with his girlfriend. And here's how what happened. His longtime handler, John Connolly, special agent John Connolly, tipped him off. Because, you know, Dude, he's been his handler for like 15 years and he's become FBI, man. A part of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tipped him off. So he ran with his girlfriend, Teresa Stanley. Well, here's the problem. Stanley had kids that she left and decided that she wanted to come back to her kids. So he came back to Boston with her after only a month on the run and immediately connected with a different mistress, (laughs) Kathleen or Catherine Grieg, and took off again. Wow. So he was gone for a few years at this point. He was mm-hmm. on the run for four years. In 1999, he was named on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. List oh, second only to Osama bin Laden. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's saying something. Yeah. So there was a million dollar reward out for him. Mm. Well, somebody thought they saw him and they tipped off the FBI. I would love to know that they got that million dollars. I hope they did. 
I really hope they did. I hope so too, but I doubt it. So at this point, Whitey Bulger's 81 years old. And he and Catherine have been living, get this, in a rent-controlled apartment as retirees. <laughs> in Santa Monica, California. <laughs> Man, this dude can just become anything, can't he? Apparently. So they get the landlord to trick him into coming down to the garage area. He told him that his uh, lock had been broken off and he needed him to come down there and, and see. So he did, and they had agents there that surrounded him. And he immediately started insisting that he was one of his aliases. And they just pretty much insisted that, no, you're not. And he finally said, oh, fine. You know who I am. I'm Whitey Bulger. <laughs> yes, Whitey, we know. Mm -hmm. So in the apartment, they find 30 guns. $822,000 in cash, knives and ammunition, most of which was hidden in the walls. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, does it escape anyone that they were living in a rent-controlled apartment and had yeah. nearly a million dollars in cash in there? Where did they get said rent-controlled apartment? <laughs> right. <laughs> Where was the original tenant at this point? Right. They were just people little old retirees and also he was a mass murderer mm -hmm. so she was arrested too and was sentenced to eight years in prison for conspiracy to harbor a fugitive conspiracy to commit identity fraud and identity fraud that's how identity identity fraud mm -hmm. so in 2013 his trial begins he was on a 33 count indictment wow uh, including money laundering, extortion, drug dealing, corrupting FBI and other law enforcement officials, and participating in 19 murders. Jesus, wow. And federal racketeering for running a criminal enterprise from 1972 to 2000. So, I mean, at this point, he is 82 years old. Yeah, wow. So, after a two-month trial... He's found guilty on 31 counts. He was found not guilty on seven murders and could not reach a verdict on one murder. So he was sentenced to two life sentences plus five years in prison, which honestly seems kind of light considering, but what mm -hmm. do I know? But okay. So he goes to prison. And in the five years that he's in prison, there are problems with him he is moved twice there's uh, threats to his life he makes threats to other people's lives there was also mm -hmm. an incident with him uh, threatening and potentially harming a health worker like you know he wasn't a model citizen well, I mean, he's been a gangster for life so yeah wow in 2016 they asked the u.s supreme court for an appeal because his attorney still says he was an informant. You can't arrest him. And the U.S. Supreme Court was like, uh, bye bye But in 2018, on October 30th, he did not go, he didn't show up for breakfast. And in the prison he was in, they opened the cell doors uh, fairly early in the morning and then uh, 
when it's breakfast time, everybody shovels down to breakfast. Well, Whitey didn't show for breakfast. I mean, realize at this point, he's in his mid-80s, you know, yeah. well, mid to late 80s. He's, he's old. So a guard goes to his cell and he's laying in his bed wrapped in his blanket on his side. And he thinks maybe he's just still asleep. So he goes in and talks to him and he doesn't budge. So he kind of pulls back his blanket and discovers that he is beat to pieces and essentially was beat to death. Oh, wow. His family has pushed and pushed for an indictment. They want justice. Mm -hmm. I get it. Ish. But what? Yeah. That happened in Hazleton, West Virginia Penitentiary. Mm -hmm. Uh, at any rate, uh, so that's what happened then. And that was in by 2018. Mm -hmm. Well, between now or then and now, there really hasn't been anything except for that, yes, his family has pushed really hard for justice for his murder, which, uh, you know, others have found to be quite ironic. I can imagine, yeah. So last week, it was announced that three men have been charged in his killing two of the men that were charged are also linked to organized crime we have freddie geese polly Colagero, and sean mckinnon what up sean you can't have some kind of cool gangster name right how boring Maybe like sean the pawn or <laughs> little sean. sean or silly sean or sean the shark Nothing? Just Sean McKinnon. Hmm. Well, the other two were still in prison for all of their, you know, collective bullshit. But Sean mm -hmm. was not. He was out and was <laughs> rearrested. So it's the other two men. It's Polly and Freddie that were charged with conspiracy to commit first degree murder. Well, they were all charged with conspiracy to commit the first-degree murder. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, Sean was also charged with uh, making false statements to a federal agent. He didn't actually do the beating, it sounds like. He was the uh, the watch guy. Oh, look out. Yeah. Now, Freddie and Polly are the ones that did the actual beating. And so they are also charged with aiding and abetting first-degree murder and assault resisting in bodily injury. So there you go. Now it's going to be interesting because there's no, at this point in the indictment, there's no uh, real reason why. I mean, I'm sure you could come up with several right off the top of your head, but right. I think it's very curious. Were we settling a score here? Was there a hit on him from some other family? I mean, he was informing for the FBI for 15 years and right. did bring a bunch of other crime families down. So yeah. where did this come from? Did, who ordered this? Mm -hmm. Did someone order this? So I'm, I'm interested in this and watching it march through the courts and hear a little more about what uh, evidence they have and what the uh, possible motive is and stuff like that. So yeah, I'd be interested to watch this, but uh and in the intro, I shared this quote, but I think it's uh, worth sharing again. So the prosecutor from Massachusetts, who has, you know, 
dealt with his bullshit for a long time, Rachel Rollins, she wants to be sure that he's not interpreted as any kind of sympathetic victim, that we remember, you know, what a complete and total, uh, you know, nightmare this human is. Yeah. So when the indictment came out from West Virginia, she had this to say. Today, our hearts are with the 19 murder victims and their loved ones, as well as anyone ever harmed by this man. Mm -hmm. He was a serial murderer, and each mention of his name is a trigger to the families he devastated, reopening wounds that we can only hope had finally started to heal. With the indictment announced today, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of West Virginia has started the process of holding the men alleged to have violently ended a life accountable. In the truest of ironies, Bulger's family has experienced the excruciating pain and trauma their relative inflicted on far too many, and the justice system is now coming to their aid. And then she listed all of his victims in her statement. Oh, good for her. Yep. Good for her. She was not having it. So the justice system is what the justice system is. And, you know, a crime was committed, a murder happened. And one of those people, little Sean, is it little Sean? No, that's, that's already a guy and he doesn't deserve this. Uh, (laughs) Sean, the pawn, Sean, the fawn. How's the fawn? I don't know, Sean. You you need a better gangster name is all I'm saying. I mean, this is ridiculous to be honest. Uh, You know, he's the only one that was on the street. And I think the other two are already in prison for basically ever for their other, you know, mentions to bullshit, but here we are. So Anyhow, I think it's an interesting case worth uh, talking about and paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It, it is um, one of those philosophical questions that we come across all the time in doing mm-hmm. true crime about, you know, should anyone give a shit that, high, that that Whitey Bulger got beat to death in prison in his late 80s? You know, what? Yeah. That is still a human being. And if we don't want him committing murders, then we don't want anyone else committing murders either. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It is an interesting one. It is. It is for sure. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on it and come back to report. In the meantime, Christy, you have another true crime update for us about a serial killer. I know. I I think there was an unintentional theme here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as we've mentioned, we're getting to a point where Serial killers who um, murdered people, uh, you know, backaways are either coming up for parole or they're dying. And uh-huh. in this case, Herbert Mullen, who is a serial killer who confessed to murdering 13 victims in the early 70s. They're just coming up like crazy now, uh-huh. um, died while in state custody. Let me give you um, a little picture of Herbert. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Herbert, Herbert was a scary dude Ooh. back in the 70s and right up until the time he died. That he was, is bananas. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. So he was 75 and it's believed he died of natural causes. He was in the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Um, and at the time of his death, he was actually in a healthcare facility um, in Stockton, California, 
this is it. It was a prison for patients with long-term medical stuff. It hasn't been released yet what he died of, but it's believed that he did, um, you know, die of of an illness of some sort. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was 25 when he started his murder spree in Santa Cruz, California. Um, He killed an entire family at one point. He murdered a priest inside a confessional booth. Oh, my God. His victims ranged in age from four to 73. Wow. And were all murdered within a matter of months. Like, he went on a huge spree. Um, It's believed that he actually knew many of his victims. Uh And he was has been described as a psychopathic killer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, he was denied parole just last year wow. uh, because he has never shown any remorse for what he did ah. and blames other people had been blaming other people for what he'd done right up until the end of his life. Wow. The people he blamed his parents, his sister and other family members. <laughs> He swore that his parents forced him to become a killer because of how they raised him as a child. Uh Uh-huh. Which, you know, they may have done bad things to him, but they didn't make the the, uh, decision. Lots of people had bad parents that did not grow up to be murderers. Right. That is the problem with his um, rationale. Mm -hmm. So Herbert Mullen is no longer a problem for society. Well, so we don't have to worry about him uh, getting parole at this point. So I just think we're going to keep seeing these guys that were convicted in the 70s. They're all in their 70s and 80s now, and Mm -hmm. they've served really long sentences. And Mm -hmm. so they're either dying or they're coming up against some kind of uh, legal timeline. Yeah, interesting. Where there are decisions that have to be made about what to do with them. Yep. So I thought that was a pretty interesting situation with old Herbert Mullen there. For sure. All right. Well, there you have it. That's Monday. We will be back tomorrow, Tuesday, with a brand new case. We'll be back Wednesday with a brand new case. And we'll be back Wednesday night with case updates. So there's still a lot more to come this week. And we appreciate you guys for being here. So yes, we do. like, share, comment follow do the things we appreciate you guys all very much have a good monday go do something good for yourself you know you deserve it or if you don't let me tell you now you You damn well do yes (laughs) this has been yet another production of the true crime squad take care bye everybody